0: what's up my friends welcome to the huddle wisdom podcast where we talk about parenting and the things to help us navigate the complexities of family life so that our kids can thrive my name is dr davin i'm a forensic and child psychiatrist i'm also a father and the host of the podcast welcome thank you so much for joining me I'm going to be talking about gender identity and dysphoria. What on earth do we say to our kids when they're struggling with this stuff? It's not easy to talk about this stuff because many people worry about the potential for backlash. People are afraid of asking the wrong questions or using the wrong words, lest they are accused of transphobia or bigotry or making kids suicidal parents just want to know how to help their kids through the mess so I'm gonna give you my two cents but before I go on I just want to say this is my opinion okay what I say on this podcast is my opinion I'm not your doctor your therapist psychiatrist speak to your own psychiatrist or doctor about what I say if you're interested in any of this but decisions about your health has to be between you And your professional this the stuff that I say here is just my opinion yes it's a resource that you might like to have for information and educational purposes but if you don't want to have it don't listen to it go and listen to I don't know Christina Aguilera or or whatever okay so with that out of the way Let me just start by um, giving you a little bit of orientation. So based on a literature review using various tools like EBSCO, by the way, a Google search is not research. Okay. All right. A Google search is not research. Watching stuff on YouTube is not research. So, what I've done is a literature review. I have not done the research. Most people have not done the research. Most people do Google searches. You can do better than that. You can do a literature review. Go to the medical library. Do a literature review there. The librarian is there to help you. Okay, so it looks like what current literature said 10 years ago is pretty much the same as what literature says now. Most published data is derived from samples of adults that attend gender clinics for hormonal treatment or surgical treatment. So it's a very specific segment of the population with cross-gendered identification and behavior. What does that mean? So cross identification of behavior. So <clears throat> this is when you have someone who um, behaves in a way that doesn't typically align with their sex. But we know that the world is much more complicated than this. People are complicated. We know people display both. Feminine and masculine traits. But it doesn't mean they are both male and female. Okay? <laughs> Sex, in my opinion, is binary, but there is a multimorphic expression of this. We see this, we know this. Back in my day, we used to call girls who liked soccer and hung out with the boys a tomboy. But it doesn't mean she's a boy. Same thing with boys who like to hang out with girls doesn't mean he's a girl. So what is this gender dysphoria stuff? So my, my own, um, understanding of it is when you have a disconnect between the way you see yourself and your biology, you know, it's hard to reconcile the two things together. It's hard to align those two things together and you get this friction, this tension, this dysphoria, this emotion of, Um, things not quite fitting. And what the data suggests is that gender dysphoria in childhood does not necessarily persist into adulthood. So just because a kid feels like they are in the wrong body does not mean that that feeling will last until adulthood. But some, for some people, it does. I'll also say... That cross-gendered behavior—that's a terrible term because we know how complex people are. We have both feminine and masculine characteristics. But cross-gendered behavior, where you know a boy acts like a girl or a girl acts like a boy, okay? Just, <clears throat> just for example, okay. Please don't drag me over the coals for saying that. I don't have an hour. Uh, I don't have hours and hours to give you all the examples of different cross-gendered behavior. That's the example I'm giving you. Okay. Cross gender behavior is common, but gender dysphoria in earnest is relatively rare. So it's the type of dysphoria that continues to, uh, till adulthood. and causes a lot of distress in both social, occupational functioning. Some kids, might behave like the opposite sex, like I said before, but it doesn't mean that they actually want to be the opposite sex. Sex, to me, is binary. You can't have... <clears throat> you can only have a male gamete and a female gamete in any species. That's just life. But there might be multimorphic expression. We see this, you know this. So, okay, with that out of the way, how how do parents respond? How do we react when our kid comes to us and they say, mom, dad, I feel wrong. Uh, you know, all my friends are girls. I act like a girl. I think I'm a girl. So on the one hand, we want to validate their distress, their confusion, their pain. And because we know that some kids continue to struggle with that till adulthood, but many don't. Both uh, in the literature and from clinical practice, especially a type of clinical practice that I recommend most don't persist into adulthood. But some do. So how do you know which direction it's going to go? Well, you don't. So you have to start from fundamentals from the ground up. Some starting points. Be agnostic. So some starting points which I think will help anchor you. So that when it gets very choppy out there in the real world, you'll have something to hang on to. Okay, the first thing, the first idea that I have for you, and this is probably not going to be any surprise to you if you've been listening to me for the last year. No child is born wrong, okay? But they get messages from the world telling them that they are right to feel wrong. Anxiety, dysphoria can be associated with... uh, (laughs) Um, parental or societal reactions to cross-gendered behaviors that, um, might inadvertently push children further and further into, uh, into performing a certain role. The stress for them arises when there is, I think, an intolerance of feminine behavior in boys let's say or masculine behaviors presenting in girls we see this you know we we might hear people calling someone a nancy boy or they might say things like oh you hit like a girl you must be a girl or oh man you're such a tomboy you walk like a man gosh you are so butch etc etc right think about what what that does to a kid Yeah, it's like, okay, so, all my friends are girls, I like girls' things, I like the clothes they wear, because it's fun, you know, sometimes I like to wear a bit of makeup, Um, does that mean I'm a girl? Well, everyone calls me a girl, so I must be a girl, so... Listen, every child is good enough. I don't care whether kids are feminine or masculine or both or, you know, whatever, cat, dog. Every child is good enough. That's where it has to start. We have to start from this attitude of accepting kids as who they are. Every child is good enough. They just might not know that yet. And some may never know it and that is very sad but some of my patients do seek to alter their physical selves to align more closely with what they think others perceive as proper as properly masculine or properly feminine because you act like that so you you you're probably (laughs) you're probably that you girly man, you, go, you girl, you're a girl, you hit like a girl, you look like a girl, you dress like a girl, you must be a girl. But you see, this is a trap. This is a trap. To me, if you're a man, or a woman, I don't care if you dress like the opposite sex. That's your prerogative. It's up to you that's up to you man but you can't change your biology you still have a penis you still have a vagina okay that's maybe a bit simplistic okay because I may be being a bit uh, facetious but <clears throat> you we can't change biology it's immutable it's immutable we can't we simply can't yes you can have some people who are intersex with um, various morphology of genitalia but we can't change the fact that gametes are either male or female. Full stop. Full stop. Yes! Yes, gender expression is complex. Some say it's socially constructed, some say it's not. Well, of course it's it's socially constructed, right? How can it not be? Um a girl behaving like a tomboy is not a boy. Anyway, she has masculine traits. I don't know what masculine traits are. I mean she likes she likes baseball. Is that does that make her a tomboy? I don't think so. She's just a girl that likes hanging out with boys and likes playing. Baseball because she likes, maybe she has, um, I don't know, she, she's more impulsive than her friends who are girls. She's more adventurous. She's um, less emotionally sensitive, whatever. These are all traits. Traits that we've grouped together and we've categorized as being one of one thing or another. But they're just traits, they're just characteristics of people. People have different traits, we have a mixture, a mixture of different traits. But those traits don't tell us whether we're actually male or female. <coughs> it's confusing. So where are we to start? We are to start with this. Everyone is good enough. Children are good enough. No child is born into the wrong body but the world makes them think that they are right to feel that they are born in the wrong body. How invalidating is this? Incredibly invalidating. Children are good enough. Let's not inadvertently affirm the belief that they are not. I'll just pause. I'll just stop there. I'm not saying their dysphoria doesn't exist. Okay. I know that they feel not good enough. The truth is that they are good enough. If you disagree with me, stop listening to this podcast. It's not for you. Clearly, you don't think children are good enough. As they are. I'm being facetious. Being a bit challenging. Sorry. Ah, clearly. Okay. But... Let's help our kids manage the pain that they have first before we jump into fixing something that may actually cause irreversible damage in the long run. Why do I say this so confidently? You, Devin, you are such a bigot. Why would you say something like this? Well, you would if you have patients that come back from sex reassignment surgery with regret, That's not a good feeling. That's not a story. That's a story for another day. Okay? Children are good enough. No child is born in the wrong body. That is my first starting point. And then when they feel like they're not good enough, and it can manifest in any way, I don't feel right in my body. Or uh, I didn't get good grades, I, you know, or uh, I'm the wrong colour. I'm the wrong colour. Um, I don't dress right. I dress in stussy gear instead of billabong gear. Not good enough. Not good enough. I, I don't dribble the, the ball well enough. I'm I'm terrible. Not good enough. I hope you understand. Children are good enough. That is the starting point. They are good enough. But they may lack skills that they need to develop to achieve certain goals. But it doesn't mean that they are not good enough. All children are good enough. No child is born in the wrong body. But they might feel that they are. And we have to validate that. It's painful, embarrassing, shameful, very difficult to talk about. So deeply personal, so deeply shameful sometimes when you talk to kids with this. So the next the next uh, idea I want to share is this idea of connection. Con- uh, we have to follow them as they wade through these complex emotions. We need to stand with them we need to hold space for them no pushing no pulling just connecting just just being just being there with them you don't always need to use words the idea here with connection is that you have to be you you you, you need to have unconditional positive regard for the the child. You accept what they bring to you. Does not mean that you agree with what it is that they bring to you, but you accept that they have brought something to you. It's like when I bring an apple to someone. Clearly, I've brought an apple doesn't, you know, it might be a rotten apple, but it's still an apple nonetheless. Yes. I don't like rotten apples. But I see you brought an apple to me. I see that your intention was good. You need to build trust. Trust grows over time. But you have to plug in with your kids. Connect with them. They need to plug in with you, not with the screen. Okay, I've said many times before that I think that, this is just my opinion by the way, Social media has a lot to answer for. If your kids are under 13, they should not have free reign over screens. Social media is not going to help your situation. The third idea is that, um, well, validate. Validate without vengeance or need to vindicate. Unconditional positive regard, like I just said to them. Acceptance of what they bring Is not the same as affirming or agreeing with their stats. And be sensitive with your questions. It doesn't mean, it does not mean that you avoid asking hard, difficult questions or pointing out facts. But you have to be sensitive about the way you ask your question. You need to read the room, so to speak. Read your child. And in order for you to do that well, you have to connect with them. I talk a lot about connection um, uh, in one of my previous uh, episodes. You know, there's this intangible um, conduit between people. And when you feel connected, it's like magnetism. It's like magic. You get it. They feel like they are being heard, that they're being seen, understood, cared for. Connection. That connection, which you can foster using um, principles which I talk about in the Empathic Discipline course, will help you to to learn how to validate um, accurately. And wouldn't it be amazing if we can help our kids embrace their femininity and masculinity or both, regardless of their biology. But some cannot reconcile that disconnect. However, if you're well connected, you'll be able to have a better chance of sensing that they are feeling disconnected. Um, Because some of these kids fly under the radar And they're not always easy to identify. Um, And that's why I keep talking about this idea of connection. You need to be able to read the room. And you need to be able to get to a stage where you read the room uh, subconsciously or unconsciously. Um, So I'll just reiterate our aim here is not to change or reinforce behavior. Okay. That's not our starting point. It's not our starting goal. What we want to do is to be able to validate our child, accept what comes, but we don't have to agree with what comes. We need to connect. We need to validate without vengeance or vindication. We need to apply unconditional positive regard. We need to understand no child is born in the wrong body. Every child is good enough. They might think that they're not good enough. They might feel that they're wrong. Let's not inadvertently affirm that they are wrong. Maybe that's controversial to say. I don't know. I feel it's not. I feel it's correct. But I know a lot of people will think it's not correct. So this podcast is probably not for you. So um, I invite you to, to switch channels. Um, I don't mean to be, to be offensive at all. And, um, look, this stuff is difficult. Kids with gender dysphoria are in so much pain. It's So confusing, so disorientating. They feel wrong. And it's shameful to talk about sometimes. Um, if they're not able to connect with anyone, um, it's very hard. So... We as parents, our role is to connect. Our role is to validate. Our role is to exude an attitude that says to our child that they are good enough. That they are not wrong. They're they're not born in the wrong body. I accept that some people continue to feel like they are in the wrong body. But Not everyone has that trajectory. We just can't tell um, in the beginning. So we have to apply principles that protect children from moving down pathways with irreversible consequences. Like one of my poor patients from some years ago. They seem to be doing okay now, but it's still very difficult. Um, so, listen, my friends, I I hope this has been of some use to you. None of this is easy. It's not easy. It's challenging, emotionally draining and exhausting. But go back to your first principles. You don't always have to say the right thing. Sometimes you don't even have to say the right words. Okay. Um, But they're fundamental ideas that can help anchor you and, and put you in good stead. So one of those again, the first principle is no child is born in the wrong body. Every child is good enough. We have to find ways to connect with our kids. We need to validate without vengeance, without vindication, apply unconditional positive regard, accept what they bring, but we don't have to affirm or agree with their stance and be sensitive with your questions. Be sensitive with your approach, but it does not mean that you avoid the hard questions all right um there's a lot more that i can say about this but um i'm running out of time and i might share a bit more um in a later podcast sorry a later episode and i hope that you'll join me i hope i haven't lost anyone uh, but you know this is tricky stuff and i think we need to work it out together. Okay my friends, talk to you next time.